0: hits all the time. We
1: are family. double digit We're busting ours. Kick yours. Fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none.
0: Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one.
1: From inside the warehouse, Sidoria Park at Camden Yards, it is the Masson All-Access Podcast, brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about your uh, our student athletes and programs today. Paul Macon of Bobby Blanco, back in the Masson Web Studio, Bob. Today was, I feel like the first day, one of the first days that felt like fall. Was it was a very yeah. depressing feeling outside. Depressing. I mean, I like it, but it also kind of means things are coming to an end.
0: Yeah, I think um, typically fall is a, like a, there's, a, there's a seasonal, I mean, I don't, I'm not making light heart of actual depress, depression, but there's like a seasonal a depression, depression yeah. that comes around with most people at this time of year, just because it starts to get cold, the days get shorter, it gets darker more often than it, it gets light. That's very natural, but I, I think today is, is a beautiful day. I love this, to, like the mid 70s with a slight breeze, not a cloud in the sky is just, Chef's kiss of a day for for me. That That's, reminds me of early fall and like early spring or mid spring.
1: And it reminds me of like uh, early fall Sunday football. Yeah. Is around the corner. It also
0: reminds me of like first day of school. Like a lot of yeah. schools went back to, a lot of kids went back to school this week. Yes. Yeah, or, like my mom went back to school. Her kids, she's a, she's a teacher. Uh, her, her kids came back, started yesterday. And it's, this feels like very first day of school Feeling.
1: Yeah, I was walking in. And I was like, I feel like I should be in the bookstore. Yeah, I forgot yeah.
0: something. Hold on. Up, oh, no pencils. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. I still have nightmares about like g- not getting enough credits. I always have nightmares of like, Dude, oh you didn't get enough worst. credits to pass. It's the, the worst. Go feeling. back, and
0: that, it's only happened from like high school on. Yes, because right? it's, yes. it's like I like I definitely forgot Mr. Sampanero's paper, or yep. I definitely did not do this reading for this class. Yeah. And just that like, it's like, I don't know if I talked about this Brian Regan bit, like uh, Brian Regan, the standup comedian, when you're just like lying in bed and you just like sit up and like, Oh no, that was due today. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I've had all semester to do this and I did nothing. Yes. (laughs) Yep. That is,
1: there is nothing worse than the feeling of like sitting in a class and you didn't do something and you're like praying they don't collect it or something like that. That's just, that'll scar you. Right. That'll scar you for life.
0: Yeah. uh, Real quick too, before we get, uh, get moving forward, your opening call got a little shout-out on Twitter yesterday. It did. did it?
1: it did. Um, one of our loyal listeners.
0: From uh, Utah Street Report. Utah
1: Street Report uh, shouted us out. I wish I could shout-out his name. Give me th- three seconds. But he did tweet. did uh, a
0: picture from the warehouse window. Kind of our view. It looked more like down the line and yeah, lower was, than us, but like had a good view of the he field. He was in the warehouse somewhere. And um, it was like... From inside the warehouse. Yes,
1: Matthew Pine. Or yeah, Pien, I'm not he, sure. Yeah, Pine well, thanks, Matt, for listening. Yeah, appreciate it. He's he's one of our loyal listeners. So it's uh, a strong
0: opener. Now it's funny because you have that opener that's just a deadlock every time we start the Orioles side of the podcast. For the National side, I just kind of go off the top. It's of a the grab cuff. bag. Yeah, yeah, it's a I grab bag. just Go bag. whatever's feeling right. Well, and for I wish you, I had more of a like a this is my signature opening. And like usually, yeah, like a like a bang. Like yeah, a, like a Mike <laughs> Green.
1: Yeah, signature. Or uh, like a
0: good. By home run,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, today, uh, today, I usually like you, you can't do a lot of voice inflection, and then I go up with my voice. Today, uh, voice is a little tired. Came back from Vegas, Bobby. Oh, yeah. I did. Uh, and we're going to play a game later on in the podcast with some over-unders because uh, just feeling in the gambling spirit. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I left $40 up and I was like, you know what? I think I know we're what I'm good. doing now. Yeah, we're good. Move over, Sarah Perlman, on your new <laughs> show on NBC. Uh, well, even
0: when she was with us, she was, uh, she was into the gambles. This is true. Uh, she had a good time when we were covering the winter meetings in Las Vegas last December. Yep. Um she's bunch, She knows what she's doing. Yeah, she I, I know blackjack and that is entirely Say it. Yeah, I know blackjack and my friend tried to
1: teach me craps and I was like I don't want to do
0: slots. I don't want to do be it. one of those guys that gets it really into slots. That seems kind of boring. That is boring. And it doesn't take I, skill. I do I do, like you, I do uh, I don't Think No, it, it's just a kitch, kitch, kitch. Yeah. Um I do blackjack and then sports
1: book. That's oh, what okay. I do I go Yeah, I was thinking about dropping uh, some money on like poker. Uh, that seems football. too
0: much pressure. Uh, craps, no clue how to play. Still,
1: that I, st- is, I, I sat there watching him for like 10 minutes and he was trying to explain it and I was like, that's
0: not a game. That is just a thing. People throwing dice and <laughs> the guy decides you win or you lose. That's a not crapshoot. an actual game. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, poker. Uh, there's like a couple other, like my grandfather was, a, was, was, and his side of the family were big Vegas people. So like the one time we all went together, he was trying to show us how to play different games and I'm mm-hmm. forgetting the, what his specific game was. Another card game. It was like. Chinese something. I don't know. But I was just like, go. Good yeah. job, Grandpa. Can <laughs> <laughs> you do that? I am going to watch and not play because that looks complicated. Yeah,
1: it is kind of fun to watch people play. Yeah, if people they, who if know they, what they're doing. People know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Um, I also did the lamest thing of all time when I went to Vegas, which was at my friend's request. Well, begging, frankly. Uh, we were all going as a group of friends. And he was like, we got to go to Blue Man Group. All right. And I was like, why? All right. So we went to Blue Man Group. It was like a hundred dollars a ticket because it's Vegas. Because it's Vegas, and I guess that's the only place you can see Blue Man Group. Bobby, I am not exaggerating. It was one of the worst hours of my entire life. <laughs> it was terrible, absolutely, absolutely terrible, terrible. And I don't. Th- it's not to say that these three blue men are not talented. They they definitely are. They're great drummers. The show itself was just lame. <laughs> It was just it was just. so bad <laughs> there was like it, it, it was an only an hour long which is really short the the humor obviously they, they don't talk the, right they're right. like aliens or i don't even know what uh, the uh, bitch is blue,
0: if I was green, I they didn't if even I play that blue. song that's right, that's that's just seems like an oversight to yeah. me yeah and there are a more golden
1: opportunity there are more people on stage than the three blue men there's like a band behind them that are wearing like what look like laser tag suits and they're like playing bass guitars. That's pretty cool.
0: It, yes. But also I, I came. Wait, to see are you the, sure they're not like, you know how like in like play production, well, you know, you, you were in theater, but like yes, they, they have do. like people who are part of the set. Like, you know, they're dressed oh. as like a tree or like a wagon and like they move with the actors like right. as if the scene is moving. Was it like that? Or are they no, just standing no. in the background playing instruments? They
1: were just standing in the background, like, grooving on their bass guitar oh, yeah that's bizarre it was uh um, the was humor up. there was a whole bit where they ate a twinkie it was like what is going on <laughs> I, why are we here i know it's, you it's make like,
0: your friend go buy you dinner afterwards <laughs> he, he, like we, that was a waste of 100 bucks he walked we walked
1: out you're, oh, you owe me a steak well he he paid for the tickets and then he was gonna venmo request me and i was like yeah I'd make sure your venmo request me he's like should i i'm like no i was <laughs> 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 like dude no. We, we walked out and my, my other friend hated it too. And he was like, he felt just terrible because he could terrible. tell them the whole thing is like also toilet paper. They shoot toilet. They give you toilet paper when you walk in. They, it's like, so slightly, I don't know. I guess it's toilet paper, but like, it's like brightly colored toilet paper. You, you, they shoot it all over you during the show. It's like, that's their whole bit. I know.
0: The tickets, toilet paper, or no, no. They like give. They scan your ticket. You, after like, you
1: walk in, they just hand you a like, roll of toilet yeah, paper. They're like, "Welcome to the show, and here's your toilet paper. Yeah, Here's your Charmin's." Yeah. All right. It's it's a little
0: stronger than Charmin. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's like a Scotts Charmins. toilet almost. Charmin's toilet paper. Uh, Dang. All right. That's bizarre. Along those lines, <laughs> when one of the, I actually went to New York a couple weeks ago. You did. And um, I'm not comparing New York to Vegas, but uh, I remember the first one of the first times that we did like a family trip to New York, mm. like the four of us, my sister and my my parents. We we saw shows. We didn't see like any like actual like Broadway theater shows, but we saw Stomp, which I oh, loved. Really? Stomp is awesome, which I think is kind of comparable to Blue Man Group. I don't think there's. It's, I think it's more talented. Yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah. awesome. I yeah. love. And this is also like eight year old me. I love Stomp. Uh. Then we saw Riverdance and that was just that's miserable cool. really i hated it <laughs> again eight I years old, eight either. years old oh yeah and i was like it's also like after seeing stomp i have like these high expectations of yeah of like river dance and like i'm half irish so like irish dancing so that's I, what all it is about it's like that. irish step dancing yeah it's, yeah, it's like okay. irish step dancing um but it was like i remember being like after what felt like an hour yeah Going back into the lobby like all right, we're done. It's like, oh no, this is intermission. We have another hour left. And I was like, Huh? <laughs> what? Yeah. I wanna go. <laughs> yeah. This is awful. Yeah. I'm so bored. My sister loved it, but I was just like, nah, I'm I'm out. I'm about to I'm set so off so bored.
1: today's producer, which is Amy Jennings, but I went to see I was actually in a couple balletic performances. I was in the Nutcracker when I was in high school. It's a whole thing. I got dragged in. There were some cute girls. It was
0: uh, I got I got pulled in oh you don't have to be ashamed of liking you <laughs> I didn't like It's it, well though. documented you're a theater guy yeah that's, yeah yeah that's, but that's, ballet that's cool
1: now. I am not a fan and and Amy Jennings our producer is a, uh, performed ballet quite a lot and I went to see my friend who I met through that in a performance and I was like this is terrible <laughs> I was Absolutely just like terrible. and I'm sure it was good ballet but I'm sorry I was just so bored it was it was the Wizard of Oz in ballet form I was like just why can't the scarecrow just speak'
0: <laughs> why can why is no one talking yeah 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 um
1: there is a script it was written like 70 years ago yeah, you yeah. can use it we
0: have a full feature-length film of actual words <laughs> being spoken that we can go off of uh i feel like back to the river dance thing i feel like as an adult now i would probably enjoy it but now just with that one experience i just have no interest in yeah. going back and seeing it. Like, yeah there was no well, reason to yeah it's like you know what nah i know i didn't like it as a child again yeah. as an adult i might enjoy it but And I'm like, nope, that one experience kind of ruined it for me. It's like when you eat something, like a lot of it, it makes you sick. It's like, I'm never having that again. Yes,
1: yeah, even if it's a good thing. Right. But like you got sick that day. I just can't,
0: I can't do it. I can't stomach it again. I can't stomach Riverdance again, probably. One more thing I eventually
1: think, maybe we'll talk about baseball in this podcast. Um, I, Hamilton came through Baltimore recently, and I am a big Hamilton guy. I couldn't see it. Like, it, one, it was, like, the tickets were, like, $300. But I'm, like, I've listened to the soundtrack so many times that if I saw it in real life, I feel like it would not be enjoyable hmm. because I would be, like, knowing the next lyric. Yeah. Which is almost like, I mean, a concert, like, I feel like I need a little bit of that in concert. I do want to see, like, the, the people that I love the most. But I feel like there is an, a general enjoyment to, like, you go to a concert... And you hear a song, you see a band that you don't really know that well, and you hear like a song that, that you've never heard before, and you're like, this song is really good, and it's like a new kind of breath of fresh yeah. air. As about, like you've been to like a bunch of Dave Matthews concerts, right? And you you know what's coming, you you know the songs, but like if you were to see an opener that were to play a, a song that you'd never heard, and you would like, I kind of like this. But guy. isn't that
0: different though? Because a concert like bands or musicians have like their whole like library of songs that they can choose from They can only yeah. play a certain amount but a play like it's scripted so you yeah, know true. which songs are coming up like you know you're gonna get this song exactly. in this order too Yeah, like I like for the Dave Matthews part I understand what you're saying but like when I you know no concert is the same because like yeah, they play true. different set lists they can they play Maybe the same song, but they play it differently. Like they instead of yeah. having a guitar solo, they'll have like a saxophone solo or a drum solo in right. the middle of it. So yeah, I see what you're saying, but I think it's a slightly different from music. I'm going to see Vampire Weekend tonight. Oh, that's right. And so that's like kind of along those lines, where maybe not really, but it's like a band that I enjoyed that I've never seen live before. So I'm excited to see how like how they perform live. How it's and different, like yeah. the first. How it's different from like their studio albums, right? Like, do you listen to Hamilton like the studio yes f- version? Yeah. 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 And you've seen it live. I, so
1: I've never seen it live. Oh, so you've yeah. never seen it
0: live. Okay, so, yeah, so that'd be, it's kind of like, that's, if you went to go see Hamilton, that's like me going seeing see Weekend tonight. Like, right. I've heard all the studio albums, but never how are seen they them live, do how it? do they perform them live? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, what I will do before this summer is over, though, maybe an off-season activity, Bobby, I'm going to uh, have everybody come and we'll watch my high school play on the one of these TVs. All right, well, back it,
0: to baseball. <laughs> oh,
1: you're like that's definitely not happening um so the baltimore orioles first time we've mentioned their names in this baltimore orioles podcast uh coming off a split series two little two game series battle of the beltways with the washington nationals they played bobby game one of that series and and game two followed the script that we was we more or less predicted game one was as clean a baseball game as i think i've seen the orioles play all season and came out with one of the
0: best wins of the season. Under three hours, gotta love that for us who are covering it. True. Um yeah, I, that was. <sighs> you and I are going to go through this a lot over the next the next month. Reminder: There's only a month left in the season, pretty much, and it's you know we cover both teams, the Orioles and the Nationals. And it was like Steve Molesky, before game one asked me, so you know. You cover both teams. You're also a fan of both teams. You grew up an Orioles fan. You're a D.C. sports guy. Yeah. Like, who are you rooting for? And I was like, usually in this, when that when these two teams are playing, I'm usually just like, I like to see the hometown team. And I like when, you know, when in front of your home crowd. Yeah. But before this series, I was like, you know what? There is a reason that I want the Nationals to win and the Orioles to lose it. Because, again, you and I are in, the, are in the boat. And, like, again, I'm not saying that they should be tanking or losing on purpose or whatever, but it would be very nice for the Orioles to get a number number one overall pick again next year. And that's would be ideal in my mind for this franchise and for this rebuild. So I was like, and the nationals need wins to make a playoff push to make the gap closer to them and the Braves in their division race. So I was like, it's a perfect situation where the nationals beat the Orioles in two add two more losses to the Orioles column. That doesn't mean like, in an ideal scenario, like the individuals in the Oriole, on the Orioles roster are performing well, yeah, and like you know, seeing Trey Mancini have continue to have such a great season, like he is, um, you know, seeing Aaron Brooks deal was awesome. That's but, great. Uh, seeing Hunter Harvey throw heat, seeing Michael Givens close that out, that's all great. But like you know, I want like, and a part of me wants like really good individual performances. That result in a loss, almost like just because I think the number one overall pick is important, and, and you know we've talked about you know as long as the top three pick they can make it work, um, but I, I really think that um, it it was it was awesome still like you know even though I the result that I personally wanted didn't come to fruition in game one, yeah. it was still really cool to see the Orioles put together a win like that, and Against especially good for a staff a pitching staff. That has been scrutinized all season long. That has struggled. That is statistically the worst in all of baseball. To shut down the hottest offense in baseball at that moment was impressive, and yeah. I think that's fans enjoy it. That's the kind of story that fans enjoy um, in a season like this. Yeah, they you can take something out of those. That's the thing. Is it
1: wasn't like you know. While the the goal of the rebuild, while it helps to lose games in theory, like you, there were moments things that good things that came out of that win especially and it just feels good for the fan base i mean yeah fans tune into the game and they
0: still want to see wins like
1: ultimately right you know they want to see good performances
0: and on on a day-to-day basis would i prefer the orioles to to win yes Mm -hmm. but in the grams in the grand scheme of things and this five-year however long plan this rebuild it is probably in the best interest for this franchise to finish in dead last and get a back-to-back number one overall picks. Yeah, You can't have both, obviously, because the more you win, the higher or, I guess, the lower your draft pick will eventually be. And also, the Detroit can't win to save its life, except for against Justin Verlander for whatever reason, but that's a different conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, again, day-to-day, it's great that they pulled out that win. It was a fantastic baseball game in and of itself, it's like a pitcher's duel. Corbin got hit around a little bit in the first inning, but from then was nails and Aaron Brooks was nails through what was it? Six or seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the bullpen uh, again, the bullpen that has just been, you know, maybe the most ridiculed bullpen outside of DC in all of baseball. Like you see Hunter Harvey touching 98, 99, 100 on, a, on a blow away strikeout of a Strubo Cabrera yep. with the bases loaded. Um, in the in the 8th inning. I mean, that's just exciting stuff and that's the stuff that fans want to see on a nightly basis, but maybe not in the overall picture. Well, with about a
1: month left of the season, at this point the Orioles are sitting 44 and 89. In terms of the larger context of the season and in terms of individual pieces, my question for you, Bobby, is this is this what you expected? Is did this season follow the script? that we had all written before the season. Because I think there are some differences between the way we thought it would go. One being, we thought that we would see more of the veteran guys in terms of Mark Trumbo, in terms of a Nate Karnes, um, in terms of an Alex Cobb at the beginning of the season. We thought that they might be dealt. But beyond that, I think it's pretty much followed script. I think in terms of what, what Mike Elias and, and his expectations for the season came in with I would bet that it's pretty darn close to what they expected
0: um yeah probably they were probably higher on their own people than maybe you or you or I were Mm -hmm. for me it's not what I expected in the sense that I honestly thought they would be worse and that's a good thing yeah that's a good thing that they're playing better they're playing meaning quote-unquote meaningful games down the stretch um they're playing competitively that's a good thing I'm me being wrong in this sense is a good thing uh you know, I thought they would be on pace to lose just as many games, if not more, than they lost last year. They're on pace to win, I believe, five more games than they did last year. I think they're on pace for a hundred and eight. Hundred and eight. So that's a, a that's a nine. No, uh, excuse me, seven game difference. Yeah. than last year. So that's that's really good. That's good. And I honestly thought they were on pace for one fifteen, maybe worse. Um, I thought we would see this team just completely sell in July. Yeah. This, this we would have a first half Orioles and we would have a second half Orioles cuz the roster would just look completely different. I was totally expecting that um I think the draft and um J2 went as 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 well as expected. Mm-hmm. We're pretty much what we thought. Um but no, I I, I thought that we would see I guess where we are, where the Orioles are is basically what I expected, but I just thought it would be a little worse. I, I did not think that they would be in this tight of a race for last place
1: that they are. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. I think Again, I, which is a good thing. I think
1: I expect them to be slightly worse, but I think last year, not only were they a bad team, they were an unlucky team. And right. I think, I think I was expecting just some kind of bounce back in that, in that yeah realm. Um, I, they, there have definitely been better performances from unexpected guys. And the other thing I'll say is I did not expect the minor league system to produce as fruitful returns this early as yeah. I did at this point last year. I was expecting, look, they, they came into the season um, and they finished last season with like the 22nd best prospect return, I, or, or uh, farm system rather. I remember Keith Law at the beginning of the season ranked the Orioles farm system in dead last Mm -hmm. in baseball which they have made a lot of additions via the draft and other things over the past few months that being said there is a lot more talent in that system than we gave them credit for and they're top 10 now they're they're top 10 and i think you look at it too and they look like a top 10 farm system i mean they they have talent that is I think that you look, can look at this farm system right now, and it's, so many guys have had good years. That's the other thing. It's like you can look at a farm system at the beginning of the year, but the guys have to produce. And whether it's the new analytics, whether it's the new front office or whatever it is, the guys that they were hoping would take steps took steps. Grayson Rodriguez had a great year. He's number one or number two. D.L. Hall had a really good year. He's number one or number two. Ryan Mountcastle in the, in the minor leagues, and I want to talk about him and whether we'll see him in September had a really good year. These guys took steps. I can't think of a top prospect in their system that took a step back. Maybe Austin Hayes just because of the injuries. Yeah. But beyond that, like it's not just one, two, three, four guys at the top. It's the fact that we're seeing this huge wave of guys in Del Marva and Bowie and uh Frederick just take have good years out of nowhere. Have yeah. really solid, promising years that put themselves in the conversation to be a top 30 prospect in the Orioles system. Yeah. So I think the farm system, it, what, I don't know if we credit Mike Elias entirely or whether we credit, you know, the new analytics or, or just the fact that there was already uh, talent there that we just hadn't had a chance to see yet. Or weren't paying attention
0: or something. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. We're paying attention to, but this farm system is a lot better than I and I think a lot of other people gave them credit for at the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah, and so you're you're looking at this question as a more overall picture, like the complete Orioles organization, not just the major league club. Right, right, right. right but right,
1: major league right. club in oh
0: well, well in. I think I'd agree because I mean, I if you would have told me like you t- talk about Keith Law ranking this farm system dead last at the beginning of the season, I would agree that it, it coming to becoming a top ten system, pretty shocking. Yeah. And, and that's great. That's great. I would not have expected that uh, at the beginning of the season because, again, there's a bunch of guys. You know, we've only seen a handful of new people, players, come into this farm system from, you know, last end of last July when Danger Kett and company made all those trades. Right. So these guys that are, for the most part, make up the most majority of the minor league teams we have been around for a while. So yeah. we, And we knew what they were capable of. So, yeah, the, the, the leaps and bounds that they made to become better – are, are are great and, and becoming a top 10 farm system in, in your first year of a rebuild is, is great progress. Yeah. I think Adley Rutschman has a lot to do that too. You know, getting number one over a pick. Uh, people are, are, are already convinced that he's just going to be a stud. Um, So that, that obviously helps too. But like you said, Ryan Mountcastle becoming MVP of his own league uh, guys, you know, whole teams like Del Marvo setting franchise records for wins, ERA strikeouts, all that stuff, home runs, uh, Bowie on the cusp of making a playoff appearance is yeah. again. So, you know, I think what every, I want to say every level, except for Frederick, oh, Gulf Coast, the Gulf Coast league, you know, their season was cut short, but they finished finished top of their division. Um, for the first time in a, in a while, I mean that's just yep. the Dominican, even down all the way down the Dominican Summer League. Yeah, yeah, like they, I think, were close to making, or maybe if not, they did make the playoffs for the first time in a, in a while, if not ever. So yeah, you're right, top to bottom, just a complete turnaround uh, for this team and this organization. But back to the major league club, you know, I I was not expecting. I don't want to. This this is a tough. This is be, might might be tough to phrase. I was not expecting the guys to be, like, this all-in and competitive from start to finish. You know, I, I was definitely anticipating, you know, out the gate, they're going to be trying their best. They're going to be, tr- you know, there are going to be certain players. This also goes along with my idea that a lot of guys would have been traded, more guys than just right. Andrew Kashner would have been traded off in July or even before then. But I thought there will be a time, especially August, because the dog days of August, I mean, it's just, it just feels like it drags on and on, and for this team particularly, Rosters haven't expanded, so we don't, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have maybe the possible minor league call ups that we were waiting for. So August, I felt was going to drag on. You know, tough losses. We talked about how brutal that schedule was. and You're facing the Yankees, Red Sox, Astros a couple times. I just thought, you know, there might be a time where they would check out, and that hasn't been the case. And yeah. that's great. I mean, you, even though they lost Wednesday night in DC to the Nationals, you know, they could have rolled over after going down five nothing. In the first inning, and facing the best pitcher in baseball, and Max Scherzer. Yeah. But they end up cutting. They came back, and they had a. Chi- I mean, you know, they chipped away. Yeah. The final score was eight if, to four, I believe. But yeah. like, you know, that's better than eight to zero or eight yeah. to one. So, and we talking about all the times against the Yankees too. You know, yeah, the final score shows that they got blown out. But if you actually watch the game in entirety, they came back and um, and made it closer than it actually yeah. was.
1: Oh, there was a time. I think it was eight four. Well, they were up. They were down five nothing after what the first inning, and they got back into the game. And then there was a time later on in the game where DJ Stewart came up, runners on the corners. It's an eight four game. I mean, he gets a hit there. It's eight five. He hits a home run. It's eight seven. I yeah. mean, you know, yeah, like yeah. there's so they definitely there were, you know, it was never ridiculously
0: close, but they were in the game. Yeah, right. they were right. in the game. And I so I. I Definitely applaud the the Orioles for that. I mean, again, and also that's part of the reason, because like we know Trey Mancini was going to go all in the whole season. We knew Chris Davis while he would struggle was still going to try to try his best. We knew like guys like Bundy, you know, John means was a revelation, but we knew that guys like Bundy, Kashner, obviously things didn't work out for Alex Cobb. um, And then the bullpen, like Richard Blyer, Michael Gibbons, were going to give it their all. Miguel Castro, give it their all whenever they were called upon. Right. Uh, But we just knew they would struggle. And, the fact that no one checked out. And there was also a handful of players that we have never like really gotten to know or seen before. Yeah. Like Jonathan Yar for only half a season. Hans Alberto, Renato Nunez, Richie Martin Jr. Yep. Um, we didn't know how they were going to react to this, you know, season in terms of how it's going to go and losing as much as they are. And to their credit, they've, they've just kind of ran with it and still going day in and day out, giving it their all. And I'm
1: not going to say that they went and found any star players in terms of when they had that offseason swell where they picked up the Hanser Alberto and they and Dwight Smith uh, junior and they picked up Rio Ruiz. They didn't find I wouldn't say they the results are pretty much in they didn't find any gems, but they found some league average players and there's a there's a use for league average players. Yeah. Like it's not like these, you know, these guys are playable on yeah. on playoff. The, the the teams have to be so big and when teams play 162 games, there's a team that wins a hundred games. There are going to be some league average players that get, that end up playing a hundred games or whatever it is because of injuries, because they just need warm bodies to throw out there and credit. Mike Elias Hanser Alberto, I would say Rio Ruiz. I've been especially pleased with mm-hmm. um, Dwight Smith jr. Although he has been injured. Uh, and then, y- you know, on the, on the pitching side, the, Uh, John means coming around, right?
0: These guys aren't superstars, right? Well, I'm thinking like the league average players, the the exception, this entire roster, particularly the um, position players, the exceptions are Richie Martin and now DJ Stewart. Everyone else are playable major leaguers. They're like a a quote unquote established major leaguers. Now they're not all-stars, all of them, but mm. they can plug, you can plug and play them at the major league level. It's not yeah. like, you know how teams go through a rebuild and the joke is that, Oh, they're just a minor. They're basically a triple a, right? You know, you're, Oh, you're facing the Orioles. They're basically a triple a club. That's not really the case here yeah. because all of these guys, aside from the guys I've just said, and maybe a handful of people in the bullpen are, have major league, a, a strong amount of major league experience on yeah. their belt.
1: I could see, I mean, it, obviously playoff teams didn't, go and deal for these guys and there are probably a lot of reasons why they didn't do that. But Pedro Severino, I think Kate the, the verdict is in he could be a a very good backup catcher on a team. Yeah. And that is valuable. Yeah. When catchers don't catchers don't play 162 games. They don't play 140 games most of the time. Yeah. You need a good backup catcher if you're going to be a playoff team. I'll bet there are some playoff teams that wish that they had somebody who a, a backup catcher read the production that he had. I wish that they had had somebody who's as uh, versatile defensively and as solid, at least with the bat, as Rio Ruiz. I mean, there are guys on this team, Renato, Jonathan VR, d- guys that had the pop of of yeah, or, or a, a twenty twenty guy in Jonathan VR, right? Guys that had the, have the pop of Renato Nunez to bring off your bench when you need a hit here. So, guy rosters need to be big, and they f- he found league average players. Like you said, Bobby, these are there are guys, there are absolutely guys that. I think you look at and you say this guy, whether it it's right now, he just does not deserve to be in the major leagues, or he, you know his play hasn't warranted that. But
0: for the most part, they're regulars. These guys are major leaguers, right? These guys are major. Yeah, leaguers. they're not going to command seven years or one hundred eighty yeah. million dollar contracts, but they can give you solid at bats. They can play defense and they can give you experience, whether off the bench or in case of emergency. And and how many World Series do we sit? I swear, every single World Series, maybe
1: every playoff series, I watch and I am watching a team and I'm like, I have never heard of that guy in my entire life. Yeah. And I look at his season stats and it's like, where did this guy... Like, I've never heard of him and here he is in the World Series getting an at-bat in the seventh inning of game
0: five. Well, I think the best example is look at the last World Series MVP, Steve Pearce. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't... If you're not an AL East fan, yeah. you have no clue who Steve exactly. Pearce was before last World Series. Exactly. I mean, and that's no dig against him. It's just he was the biggest plug-and-play player, you know, yeah. there ever was. I mean, Buck Showalter loved him because he was so versatile. He was great off the bench. In case of emergency, of, in terms of injury, you can play him, and he would give you, you know, solid, quote-unquote, minutes, you know, yeah. and, and now he's a World Series MVP. Yeah. Those guys are become so valuable come October and deeper into the, the playoffs that you go because you need role players when you're superstars – you know, may not, may not be struggling, but late inning pinch hits, pinch runner, you know, defensive substitutions, you need guys like that.
1: Yeah, and I think of, like, David Freeze and the the Cardinals. were. He was not the best player on that team. Yeah. And he was probably not even close. But, like, so playoff teams... These are guys that have carved out roles for themselves in Major League Baseball, and that yeah. matters. Um, one, we, I touched, just because I teased on it earlier, Ryan Mountcastle, do you think we're going to see him in September? Right now he's hitting 308. he He's got 22 homers. He does need to be need to be added to the 40-man this offseason in order to, to be protected from the Rule 5 draft. That's definitely going to happen, obviously, but will we see him play games in September?
0: I'm going to say no.
1: Okay. How I'm going to say
0: no. I, I just think he's 22... He just came off a of fire season at AAA. Yes, he, they're going to protect him um, come this off season, but I don't think there's need to rush like to rush him. To rush him. What? What's? What's? What will we gain by having Ryan Mountcastle come up here and possibly fail?
1: Well, yeah. Uh, I would say the thing that you would gain potentially is just getting his feet wet, giving him major league experience, seeing major league pitchers. Maybe he sees what he needs to adjust when going up against some major leaguers.
0: Right, but the end game here, especially for him, would probably be you know, next year, two years, three years down the line. I mean, I don't know. We saw with the Nationals, they brought up Carter Keeboom, and he came up too early. I mean, he was great his first three games, but then he was hitting under 200 for the right. rest of the way. And, you know, they'll probably call him back up again this. But that's because the Nationals are in the midst of a playoff hunt and right. they, they're going to need bodies. The Orioles, I mean, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But if it's my call, it's like, you know, let's just protect him and then we'll, we'll get his feet wet next season. Because, again, next season, you know, it's not like the Orioles are going to be immediately competitive next year too. You know, they can get his feet wet you know, he could be a call up in April, May yeah. next year. You know, it's the you know, if they absolutely need him. So and also he's a first baseman, right? First baseman so you're has gonna take, played
1: third base and yeah. You're
0: gonna take uh at bats away from Trey Mancini. That's the thing.
1: You, but yeah, I mean you could take in theory you could put Mancini at DH or in right and right. put or, Davis or, or on the bench
0: Mountcastle at DH. Right. But you know, Brett Hyde has been talking about it and he's trying to play Trey Mancini as much as possible at first. Yeah. So it's it's a good quandary. To it's have. almost like he's kind of blocked. I mean, you know, he could play up here, but it's
1: almost like he's blocked. <laughs> it's it is kind of like he's blocked. The the um the difference I will say between I wouldn't put him at the hot corner. No, no, and is they have said Brandon Hyde has said he's made strides defensively, but I don't think enough to to put him at third to warrant playing him over somebody else at third.
0: And I'm not saying age is always the factor, but he's he is 22. Yeah. I mean, he uh, if he were a normal kid he would be having just graduated college and uh, he's been in the minor league system for however many however many years now you know if he was 24 yeah maybe he could probably come up and play but just a young pup i don't i don't think there's there's he's just a small little castle i think <laughs> just a little tower <laughs> he right, na- right now yeah just that a, one. just <laughs> a,
1: just a rook is it a rook yeah he's a rook yeah, yeah. um the difference i will say in the carter Keyboom situation is Kibun was kind of thrust into a very difficult situation in terms of that team. That Nats team was floundering at the time they brought him up.
0: Well, also, his position was needed. Like, Trey Turner got hurt. So they needed a a true shortstop.
1: And he was learning... It was a spot for him. Yeah, he was learning... I mean, he knew... He had already played shortstop, but he was learning a new kind of position at the major league level. Um, Whereas with this one, whereas with Mountcastle in September, not a lot of pressure on him to do well. The other factor is service time i don't know exactly yeah we got into that um, how the service time would work out there i'm never for a team kind of like artificially suppressing a guy's service time in order to make sure that they have him for longer um but we're seeing guys at age 22 21 at and they certainly are you know a lot of them are anomalies but we've seen guys have success at the major league level at a very young age it feels like more now than ever yeah, with uh, you know, uh, Ronald Acuna and and Ozzy Albis and a um, Juan, Soto. Juan Soto, um, and there are guys all across Victor Robles. Victor Robles, there are guys all across the major leagues that are, um, um Vlad having Vlagera having success at such a young age at at nineteen, twenty, twenty one, and it makes me wonder if guys are just getting, you know, the guys are figuring it out younger or whatever it is. So. 22 is not ridiculously no, it's young not. anymore. No, 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 no. You're right. It's but, not.
0: But, I mean, I think, well, also, I don't know, in those scenarios, different scenarios. You know, the Juan Soto scenario is, is an easy one because, you know, he was called up because Victor Robles was hurt. He was, he was supposed to be the next guy up. It was right. supposed to be Robles. Uh, Guerrero is a little different. I mean, he's the number one prospect in baseball. We knew he was going to be called up this season at some point. Um, service time be damned. Uh, but speaking of that, Shout out uh, listener Cody Postier, Cody Postier, Postier? Uh, at Cody Postier for uh, tweeting at us, um, asking us to uh, go into explaining um, how arbitration works and baseball contracts and talking about what we mean when the clock is ticking uh, in terms of service time. You just mentioned we're we're not quite sure yet, but that seems like a a good thing to dive in this (laughs) offseason once the season ends. And uh, really kind of explain how that all works, and it'll just be easy to tie rules. into yeah, and yeah, it'll be easy to tie into in terms of Ryan Mancastle's case true
1: I, I, and I think ultimately with Mountcastle, while it would be nice for fans to get to see him in September, ultimately it's not going to have a huge bearing over how he does as a player it it's just something to kind of watch and appease us for another month of the season, but ultimately, if he you know, he hit 308 this year. If say he comes up and he hits well, or even if he doesn't get brought up, um, he has a good spring training. I think we're going to see, and I hope we're going to see a lot of him next year because at this point, he has shown he deserves a call up. Yeah, and um, you know, it may not be this this September, but if it's next year, this guy I hope is going to be playing a lot.
0: It's definitely going to be sooner rather than later. So yeah. it's you know it's it's right on the horizon. Yeah, so if that's not. To something that Orioles fans should be too concerned about. I mean, whether it's September, I mean, he'll be in the major league camp next spring training. You know, he there's a possibility he could break with the team. You know, I I would expect if it's not this September, early next season, we'll see him.
1: I have some over unders, Bobby. Do you want me to run through them? Yeah, it's quickly. All right, rapid fire. Um, don't think Trey Mancini. So there are 29 games left in the season. Yes, Trey Mancini over under for the entire season. 34 and a half homers. He is sitting at 29 at the time of this over.
0: recording. Over.
1: Over. Yeah. You think he's going to hit six homers or more over the last month of the season? In a month, yeah. I think it's doable. That's very doable.
0: I think he'll I think he'll hit closer to 40.
1: Closer to 40. Yep. Okay. Wow. So like 38, are you going to put a number on that? i if
0: if the over under I'll move the over under to yeah, like 37 and a half. I'll say over that. The other thing I'm is. I'm not going to say he's going to hit 40, but I'll say it closer to 40.
1: With though. September call-ups, I wonder if we're going to get to see.
0: Well, so I'm saying if Ryan Mac, Ryan Hassel comes up, what if he's taking a away from Trey Mancini? True. Well,
1: and. and but I on don't the other think th- that would
0: be the case, but what if?
1: On the other side, like, you see sometimes guys get inflated September statistics because they're facing guys that. That's true. Are not major leaguers, right? Like that are just getting called up in September. So, like maybe Mancini faces like three AAA guys in that Detroit series, (laughs) right? But also,
0: yeah, I mean, they play Detroit, they play the Blue Jays, Mm. they play the Mar, they play the Blue Jays twice, they play the Mariners. I mean, the only quote-unquote competitors they're playing in September are the Rays, Dodgers, and Red Sox, all for a combined nine games. Yeah, so, they, they actually have a
1: pretty easy September. Yeah, so
0: they, I mean, he could face some not great pitching and, right. and launch some balls. Which, also, a lot of home, uh, maybe not too much home games, but there's a good amount of orange on the schedule, so that means they're here at the friendly confines of Oriole Park. Yes, crowds.
1: so you don't think they bring Mountcastle up, you said? Right.
0: So this basically is entirely
1: based on whether they obviously bring All right, him up or not. say he does. Uh, Ryan Malkassel, 15 games started. Or I'll say 14 and a half. That may be a little generous, but 14 and a half starting, games started.
0: Uh, over. I mean, if you're going to bring him up, you've got to you play you him. You can't just bring him. You can't just bring him up. Because then what's the point? Yeah. Like, that cuts into a service time and you're not even going to throw him out on the field. Right. That's a good yeah. point. Starting also counts as DH, right? Like being in the yes, starting yeah, lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, uh, over. Okay, interesting. You're, um make sure you keep track of these so we can figure it out. Oh, I'm definitely
1: not. But, uh very good. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> All right. Um so, okay, so right now they are forty four and eighty nine at the time of this recording, so they're eleven games away from their one hundredth loss. I just took a gander, this is like fifteen games ish down the line. September fourteenth as the day that they lose their one hundredth game.
0: How many do you say away?
1: I think they are they're eleven games away. That shows- so will uh, they yeah, lose? eleven games away. Will they lose eleven games in the next two weeks?
0: Um, they do play the, the d- Royals, Rays, and Rangers at home, and then the the uh, Dodgers and then the Dodgers. Wait, the September fourteenth you said is the date? Yep, that Saturday against the, ah eleven games. Quickly do math. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say no, under under yeah. Okay. I'm going to say it'll be the week after.
1: Oh, oh, so okay, gotcha. So that you think it, they It'll take longer for them to get to 100. Gotcha. Does that okay. make, Does that make sense? Yeah, they have a better uh, couple weeks than uh
0: Yeah, I think cuz again, the Royals, the Rays at on the roads going to be tough, but then you got four against the Rangers at home. The Dodgers are going to be tough, but then the Tigers, I I, you know, I think the Dodgers will put you closer to 100, but you'll be able to push it over. I don't know how the, yeah. the overall, but yeah, we'll put it later because you're playing the Tigers. All right. Total losses on the season. I'm just going to say after. <laughs> They're, after September 14th is the day they lose 100.
1: Total losses, they uh, are on pace for like 108.4. So my line is 108.5. Do they finish with uh, 108 or fewer or 109 or more?
0: Um, I'm going to say over again. Okay, so I'm I i do not think I don't think it'll be as bad as 115, but I think it's gonna be around the 110ish area. I
1: think I think it I would go under here. Um, really? All
0: right, so I'm saying BB over. I this PM is the only one I've actually under
1: weighed in on, but I would say under just because of the. I'm gonna easy. copy and
0: paste this and put it at the bottom of our doc. So
1: we, tremendous, just because of the easiness of the schedule, uh, the rest of the way. All right, Jonathan VR. As mentioned, having a 2020 season, he's got 20 home runs, 28 stolen bases. Will he finish with 34 or fewer stolen bases, 35 or more? So 34 and a half is the over/under.
0: I think I'm gonna go. Uh, I really want to take the over. I would six smash more that over. Oh yeah, six more. Yeah, over, over. Yeah, especially the more he hits higher in the lineup. The more he gets on yeah. base, he'll, he'll have more opportunities. That's fair.
1: All right, uh, Brandon Hyde ejections 0. 0.5. Ooh, <laughs> so one more? Does, yeah, one he, does more. he get
0: Ah oh, man, I don't know how you guess this. Yeah, have kind factors of well, Tensions did. are getting hot. No pun intended on the weather, but like you know, we saw what happened in the Orioles dugout actually getting colder night. Yeah. Um. You know, again, these guys are still competitive. They want to win. Brent, and Brandon Hyde is front and center in that, too. I mean, I think this is a lot of that competitiveness is stemming from the manager because um, he said, my job is day-to-day. I want to win day-to-day. Does he get heated enough to go <laughs> out and get ejected? How many times has he been tossed this season? Do you know? I probably should have looked that up. I, If I had to guess, I would say
1: two or three. I think it's three, maybe.
0: <sighs> That's tough. How is he going to react to young guys getting at bats in September? You know, for the fun of it, just because he's Brandon Hyde and he loves competing, I'm going to say he gets tossed one more time. One more time?
1: Yeah. yeah, That's probably a good call. All right. Um, and I will do, I'm, I'm quickly trying to, to see managerial record on baseball reference. They usually do have an ejections page. I have not. Ejection right there, two. Ejection, two. All right. So two or three. Um, finally, Hunter Harvey. He is at four scoreless innings so far in his major league career. 15 and a half is where I'm putting the over under will he make For appearances will he make fifteen and a half appearances so eleven more
0: or no six, uh, twelve more twelve more <sighs> these are tough ball yeah I'm gonna say yeah okay I mean especially again with back to the easy schedule if they're in close games in in down late you know in late in the later innings, how can you not throw a guy who's throwing a hundred you know I mean I yeah I like I like the role that Hunter Harvey's in right now. Fingers crossed, praying he doesn't get hurt again. Obviously, That's, yeah. Then I'm sure, but he is that just the whipping the ball, and it's just it's might be hard not to pitch him because yeah. because he is the one bright spot in this bullpen. It might be hard at times to not pitch him. So I'm going to say over. That's interesting. We may see some new pitchers in September that might
1: you know give Brandon Hyde a few more options out of that bullpen. I think they're they they have his mind, his health in mind at all times. Yeah. So I don't know. I would I might go under, but it's going to be close. Have they said
0: anything? Do we know of like um, innings limit?
1: I don't know. I don't know about. I mean, I I, I, I would guess the caution is on their side in terms yeah. of everything they can do.
0: All right, that just about does it for my
1: over unders. That's Um, going
0: on. I've copied and pasted into our off season portion of our Google Doc.
1: That just about does it uh, for our show today. One more piece of advice: just don't go see the Blue Man Group. Uh, I'm Paul Mancano. He's Bobby Blanco. At Paul Mancano. At Bobby underscore Blanco.
0: You can catch us at uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Also watch us on the Mass and Orioles and Mass and All Access Facebook page, Mass and Orioles on YouTube, and at Mass and Orioles on Twitter.
1: Wow, all the good stuff. This has been the Mass and All Access podcast brought to you by Marymount University. Visit marymountsaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today.